Hello, Mama. Welcome to Reaching Abundance. Ever since this show launched, I've wanted to find a way to normalize conversations around where motherhood, money, and mindset intersect, and more importantly, how to navigate through the tough spots. It's easy for us to operate in a silo and believe that no one understands what we're going through, that maybe there's something wrong with us or that we should be able to handle everything. Like, why can't I be super mom? And this infectious belief perpetuates our silence. So I've been thinking, what if you could hear from other moms about their challenges? What if moms could share openly about their finances, relationships, juggling priorities, pursuing personal growth, and about their journey toward becoming the confident money manager of the household? Well, I have an announcement for you. Starting today, Reaching Abundance is relaunching with a new format. Each week, we will toggle between the solo shows you're used to, where I share financial tips, mindset shifts, and guidance toward creating more abundance in your life, and interviews with other real moms just like you. Today, I'm talking with certified life coach Daisy Clements, who focuses on relationships and intimacy. She shares with us about her own personal financial journey and how her marriage and motherhood impacted her beliefs about money, what some triggers are when it comes to arguments about money and how to navigate them, and how to shift our mindset to increase connection and intimacy in the relationship, even if money is a tense topic. The words we use in our relationship and with money, whether they be out loud or in our heads, matter, which is why you need to grab the free download available with this episode. Head to happyhealthyabundance.net slash mindset dash mantras and grab the single page PDF to help you quit perpetuating emotional negativity, stop unplanned spending, and flip your money mindset. Again, grab it for free at happyhealthyabundance.net slash mindset dash mantras. Welcome to the Reaching Abundance podcast, where your host, Virginia Elder, shares helpful guidance for moms around positive mindset, creating simplicity, practicing true self-care, and most of all, money management. Her financial journey toward a better life blossomed into an insatiable desire for overall happiness and abundance. Hang out with her right here each week while she ditches the taboos around women and money, shares resources, educates, and financially empowers all the mamas. I'm so excited to be here today with Daisy. She is a life coach who focuses on relationships and intimacy and specifically helps moms create better marriages without, and I love this part, without having to change their husbands first. (laughs) Welcome to the show, Daisy. Thank you so much, Virginia. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks so much for having me on. Absolutely. I felt like we hit it off right away, just both being coaches and we both had interest in the same life coaching programs and some of the same instructors even. Of course, we're both moms. We have some of the very similar perspectives about money. So I'm just super excited to get into that with you today. First off, I would love for you to share about your perspective on money and maybe how your relationship with money has evolved over time. Yes, I would love to. My philosophy on money is pretty simple. I see money as a tool and it's something that we use to exchange value. So like, I want this, I can pay you money for it. And it's not the only thing that we use to exchange for value. Like there are other things like our time or the resource. Um, It's something that we can use for or against us, depending on how we think about it. Mm -hmm. And how we think about it is going to change how we feel about it, which is going to affect how we relate to it and what we're able to do with it or not. 
how I've evolved with money. It's actually funny. When I was younger, I saved up cash for everything. Like my parents were really good about teaching me to save money and set aside things and like to think ahead of time for stuff. So like I had saved up money for college and didn't have to take out any loans. I paid cash for my first car. That's awesome. Sort of started out anti-credit. Like I thought credit cards were the devil and evil or whatever. And that has evolved over time. I now think credit cards are amazing as long as you use them in a way that serves you. <laughs> you know, <laughs> if you're in a place where you can really pay them off, you can get a lot of rewards and benefits from credit card. Right. But also just how controlling I feel with money. Like when we first got married... I would get so upset and frustrated even just when my husband would spend like $5 on lunches. I just thought that was ridiculous and would constantly... I didn't realize it at the time. Like at the time I thought I was being helpful, but looking back, I can see I was like constantly complaining and berating him about this money that he would spend on lunch. Mm -hmm. Whereas now I feel like I have a much more open and fluid relationship with my husband and with money and there isn't so many expectations or so much like my way is the right way and like you need to do things the way that I think that they should be done. <laughs> right. And you have an accounting background, which is also something that we share. Yes. You and I both budget in YNAB and we are spreadsheet people. We love the details. We love yes. the number. Yes. <laughs> so let's talk about how a lot of times people in the relationship are not typically the same personality. Like mm -hmm. neither of our husbands are spreadsheet people. So that can potentially cause conflict. And we've both been through that and grown beyond that in our relationships. But if you don't mind, share with us a little bit about that. Yeah. Earlier on in our marriage, I thought that you're supposed to have these sit down and have this budget discussion and you both need to be on the same page and view money the certain way and you need to be able to spend money within these certain categories. It felt very structured and strict and like high pressure. Yes. And of course, with the energy I was bringing to it, my husband was like, yeah, I want nothing to do with this. Like, this is not the way that I manage <laughs> money. Like, <laughs> right. And like, I could spend all day like updating budgets and moving stuff around and creating spreadsheets and whatever. And so for a long time, that caused me a lot of suffering in my marriage because I had this expectation mm -hmm. that he needed to be able to do it the way that I thought it was supposed to be done. So for a long time there, it was like, Every time money would come up, I would just end up feeling very frustrated and didn't want to talk about it. I would want to check out and not look at money and avoid it because it would bring up such strong feelings in me. And I tend to like to try to keep the peace as much as mm -hmm. possible. And it felt like an area where I just felt really stuck or that seemed impossible. Now it's so fascinating because we don't have like these formal meetings or the sit down discussion right. or anything like that. We both manage money our own separate ways. I love the details on the spreadsheets like we're talking about. He's really good at looking at the big picture and just managing things like from a higher level. And he doesn't feel like he needs all that detail in the same kind of way. And that's something that is a strength for him that actually makes him really good at the work that he does in mm -hmm. his job. And so, you know, before I was so hyper-focused on everything that was wrong and that wasn't working and how we weren't compatible and nothing worked. Whereas now I feel like we may just have a random phone call where it's like, hey, what's happening in this account or mm -hmm. what's outstanding or whatever. And it can just be like this two minute blurb. It's just like we're having a conversation. It's not a big deal where as it used to feel like it was yeah. such a big deal. That's really common because A, like we talked about, two people in a marriage typically are not the same personality. Opposites attract. You brought up to me previously about magnets, how you can flip one and they repel each other. And then if you flip them the right way, they will attract each other and opposites attract. That's how we both are in our marriages. We have managed to magically find men who are big picture and not worried about the details. And the other issue is a lot of times with finances, what you highlighted is the rhetoric that's out there. We are told that budgeting has to have categories and has to be meticulous and you have to sit down and have this formal meeting and they try to say oh you should have a champagne date but really still it's a meeting and if there's any tension in the relationship about finances you're going to dread that meeting and you're going to bring negative energy to that meeting almost no matter what you try <laughs> yeah and so there are ways to work around it but that is a part of normalizing this whole money conversation for moms and sharing that, hey, we all go through these same struggles and that your quote unquote money meeting or budget or budgeting discussion doesn't have to look 
like this textbook picture that's out there. As we navigate through our finances and we start to think about budgeting, we're both moms. Most of the listeners here are moms. So I want to talk about how money and motherhood intersect. And I would love to hear about what kind of financial challenges have you navigated and how did motherhood affect your decisions? Yeah, I love this question. And it's been fun to think about some more because, you know, when we first got married, we were married for about five years before we started having kids. And Hmm. the first part of our marriage, I was working in auditing on Bookside and my husband was going to school uh-huh. and he was also working too. And so we both had an income. We were both bringing in money or whatever. We still had our yeah, money the whole issues or whatever. Dual income and no kids, but you still had money issues. Same. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's not about the circumstances. It's about what you think about it. And so when we had kids, I knew at that time, like I wanted to be a stay-at-home mom. And so I did the work that I needed to do for maternity leave or whatever, but then I stopped working to be home with my kid. and without realizing it over time, I developed mindsets sort of like, it's not my money or I don't have a say Mm. or I'm not important. Or if he doesn't do X, Y, Z, that means he doesn't care. Like we can develop a lot of these if thens, like if he does this, Mm. then that means this, like I'm not special, I'm not important. So I developed actually a lot of mindsets like that without realizing it it happened. It's kind of subconscious Mm -hmm. and or it just feels like the way it is. Like it just seems like the facts. And so there was that like feeling like the money wasn't mine or feeling like, you know, he could spend money, whatever he wanted, but I couldn't or feeling like, which was all in my head, by the way, he never told me that (laughs) it wasn't like he was like, I get to spend money on whatever I want. And you don't, right? Like this was just a story that I created in my mind that changed how I showed up in my marriage. Yeah. Stay on that for a sec, because I've talked with so many moms that because they aren't the breadwinner or even because they aren't earning their own income and contributing, quote unquote, financially to the marriage, they feel like they don't have a say with the money. And that's actually been a really common thread when they come to me for Mm -hmm. budgeting help. They're like, well, how do I talk to him about this? Because I don't make this money. It's not mine. Like, why do I have a say about it? So stay on that because that is so common. And like just feeling like you're not an equal in the relationship, like you're less than. But then it's interesting because we tend to bounce back between less than and better than. Like my standards are better than his, but I'm less than in this relationship. Right. Kind of out of this interesting effect going on. And I've worked with clients on this too. When they tell it to me, it's like, it's so much the facts. Like, no, he doesn't value me. He doesn't take care of me. And what has been the most mind-blowing thing for me and my clients to really see is that the reason we're even showing up that way in the first place is because we're not valuing ourselves. Yes. And we're not seeing ourselves as important and we're not seeing ourselves as equal. Yes. And so... You could have this checklist of what your partner needs to do for you to be equal, but no matter what they do, because everything is always 50-50, like you can always make a case for both, just like in a court of law, right? Right. (laughs) As long as you believe yourself that you're not equal or that you're not important, your brain is always going to find the evidence that supports that case. Yes. And you're always going to keep showing up like as if you're not equal and like as if it's not yours. Mm -hmm. And I've had clients before who you know, when I've questioned them on this, I'm like, so if you had a conversation with them, I mean, like, let's go to the facts. Literally, legally, 50% of the money is yours, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yet, it can, mm-hmm. even though like the fact could be like half of this money is mine, it can be so hard for people to even own that or to think, well, yeah, but my husband doesn't see it that way. So it's not. Mm. And so I had one client after we'd coached on this and kind of just walked through like when she believed this, whether it was true or not, how was she showing up? Because a lot of times we're like, yeah, but this is true. It's like, Yes, but how does that make you feel? And how do you end up showing up? Because a lot of times what we find is that the thought came first. So like, if I believe I'm not equal or that this isn't mine, and then I feel less than insufficient maybe or something, but then I'm going to show up completely different. Like Mm -hmm. I may expect him to read my mind or I may not say what I want, or I may say that I don't want things when I do. Like I may not even be being truthful with him or with me, or I may be passive aggressive, or I may spend money on things that I I don't actually want. Like this is something I did earlier on the marriage where I thought that he had to approve of what I wanted for me to be able to get it, first of all. Mm -hmm. And so like if I wanted something and he didn't value it, I made that mean that I couldn't have it. Whereas for him, going back to the $5 meals thing, I told him I didn't approve, quote unquote, but that didn't change whether he did it. For him, it was like, listen, this is for me. It's not against you. 
I didn't get that all the time, but that's something I've learned since. I think that's a big concept for me, not against you. Yeah. Cause a lot of times we think that love is obedience. Like if you Uh, love me, that means you do everything I want and everything I say, mm -hmm. but love is not the same thing as obedience and you can be obedient and still not have love. Mm -hmm. Right. So true. And so a lot of times people feel stuck between this all or nothing because they're like, I either care about this person, I'm doing everything they say, but maybe I have a lot of resentment inside because it's not actually what I want. Yeah. <laughs> right? Right. Or I have to check out and not care. And that doesn't feel good either because I want to have a great relationship with this person. And we don't realize there's this middle ground of, I care about you and I want something different for me. It's not against you. Right. And we can have that differences of opinion. The other person doesn't need to value something for you to value it and have it for yourself. Mm-hmm. And I feel like a lot of what you touched on right there has to do with priorities, which is something that you and I both talk a lot about in our coaching. You even did touch on the assumptions, the undeserving feeling and the feelings that maybe even if you can afford something, but there's shame around having the nice things or even shame around spending money in a certain way, even though you can afford it and it is something that you need. So you shared a story with me about hiring a house cleaner. Would you like to share that with us? I would love to. So much (laughs) drama in my past around house cleaning. (laughs) I think moms identify with this. It's like, well, I'm home all day. So really like, shouldn't I be able to keep up with the house? Almost kind of like a what's wrong with me. Mm -hmm. Is my time that valuable to be able to spend money on a house cleaner when my butt's at home all day long? But it becomes this imbalance between self-worth, the pressure that you're putting on yourself, the value of money and your time and your stress. And there's so many little nuances that go into that decision. And for a lot of moms, maybe it's not a house cleaner, maybe it's something else, Yeah, but it's a service that you would love to afford and purchase and do. And you would love to be able to spend that money, but then you feel bad because you're like, Oh, this should be my responsibility. I'm the mom. Like, why can't I handle everything? Yeah. And I think as women, a lot of times too, we receive a lot of messages around, we should be able to do it all. Mm-hmm. And we get a huge dopamine hit in our brains when we mm-hmm. feel like superwoman, when we feel like we are doing it yes, all. Yes, the whole super mom complex. Yes. <laughs> so I think there are a lot of things going on here. For me, I wasn't keeping up the house as well as I wanted to. And I also didn't want to spend more time doing it than I was. <laughs> right? <laughs> Two great reasons. <laughs> and my husband's like, well, why don't you just pay someone to help clean the house? It's not a big deal. I'm like, no, I should be able to do this. And so my husband was very encouraging or totally on board with it. And that may or may not be the case in someone else's. Yeah. But I was like, no, I need it done my way. I like things cleaned a certain way, vacuumed a certain way, whatever. It can be so interesting when you really look at it because it's like, we have this idealistic thing in our mind of what we want, but then how often is that actually our reality? Mm. And so that was one thing for me. So I was like, okay, I'll just play with this. So I would find a housekeeper, have them come in. I didn't want to have hard conversations and I would just kind of hope that they would be able to read my mind and clean it exactly the way I wanted. And so I would just be very grateful when they came. And after they went, I would just have so many thoughts and feelings about like it not being good enough, Uh, which is just really a reflection of how I felt about about myself, mm, which is always interesting to think about Yeah, that I would just not call them again. And I did this multiple times (laughs) where I'd have someone come or maybe I'd have them come a few times and then I'd be like, nope, it's too much money. I can do this. I don't need to pay for that. Actually, interestingly too, it's one thing I had to work around was even my thoughts about house cleaning and mates. We can create these perceptions in our mind of that being a lesser than role or something. Mm. And it was fascinating for me to see, but I'm putting Mm. myself in that role. So how am I viewing myself when I'm seeing myself as the mate? Mm. Even doing my own mindset around, you know, how do I want to think about this? I want to think of this as like a very valuable position and like equal coming back to this concept of equal. It doesn't happen just in our marriage when we don't see ourselves equal, but recognizing that when I have house cleaners come in, my house is going to be cleaner more of the time. Like I want it to be, I end up with more of what I want when I get help than when I don't, even if it may not be exactly what I want all the time, I have more of what I want more of the time. Yeah. It's kind of trippy. That translates across almost any service that you could hire out, whether you're looking at 
a laundry service, a cleaning service, the lawn service, the pool service, like anything that helps you. And this is all like household stuff, but it translates into anything. Yeah. Typically where we hire out, you're going to be able to have more free time, more peace around the issue and whatever problem you're solving by hiring that service is going to be better more of the time than if you forced yourself to make the time to do it. Yeah. And it was also helpful for me to see kind of some of the other brain patterns that were happening Mm. because I recognized that I was in this mindset of like, I want to do it all, all the time. Like I need to be able to do everything. And I had read an article or something that had talked about people who are really able to create wealth and build lots of impact are not trying to do it all themselves. <laughs> they are Correct. trying to farm out as much as they can. They kind of have more of the mindset of spread the money, spread the wealth. Mm-hmm. You do what you're good at doing and let me focus on what I'm good at doing. The more we build that collaboration or that team within our own lives, our own network, right? it does open up more time and space for us to be able to focus on the things that we really want to do. Right. Or where we really want to spend our time, whether that is you're a mom with a business or something, or whether that's like you want to have more quality time with your kids, whatever it is, whatever your priority is, Mm -hmm. how much time do you actually want to spend cleaning your house in a week? Right. And in that time, is your house where you want it to be or whatever it is, whatever service in the time that you want to give it, is it going to create the result that you want? If not, well, what other options do you have that is more in the mindset of, I don't try to fit it all in and I don't care to. Like, I want to keep my life as simple as humanly possible. Right. And it goes back to that self-worth. Like, we deserve time to relax. We deserve time away. And if that means paying for a service so that I can have two hours off, it's worth it because I am that valuable. And I think that's a really important key for moms to remember because like we touched on earlier, Just because you're at home or even if you are working and maybe you work from home or you have a part-time job or whatever it is, maybe you're even a full-time employee and a mom, there definitely is still that conversation in our minds about self-worth and time value and money and guilt around spending versus saving. Mm -hmm. So this touches back on priorities looking at the situation and looking at your life and saying, how do I want my life to look? Like, what does abundance mean to me? And how do I make that a part of my life? And sometimes that means spending money on things that you don't want to do or don't enjoy doing so that you have time for things that you do love, like maybe taking your kids to the park or having more one-on-one time with your husband focusing on your intimacy, whatever it is so that you can bring abundance into your life. Yeah. I love this so much. It's reminding me of even last year when I got certified as a coach, I had my third baby, like it was either the week before the week after. I can't remember for sure. But point being (laughs) that... Basically the same time. Yes. (laughs) But the whole next year, you know, I basically have two babies I'm raising and I was in the phase of like wanting to do as much of it myself and not having it hire out or like utilize my husband or whatever. And so I was, I'd work during nap times and evenings and weekends, mm-hmm. was doing all these programs. And it got to this point where it's like, I could do it this way. And I felt like my husband and I were just trading childcare. Like we didn't have a ton of time with each other. I mean, we still had some, we still prioritized each other. But mm-hmm. I got to this point, I was like, I could do it this way. Like there's no right or wrong. This is an option. Do I want to do it this way? Like, do mm. I really want this? Yes. And I was like, no, I have plenty of time with my kids. I'd rather have more time with my husband and let my kids have some more time with somebody else and do the mindset work I need to do on that, which there was a lot there. I got sick more that year than any other year working through some of the mindsets and beliefs that I had. And the strength Interesting. Up. So like, this is no joke, right? This can be hard stuff to look at and to think about. Mm-hmm. It feels very like that we're doing it wrong or we can have a lot of fears. But I did all the mindset work to get on that. I got help with my younger two because my oldest one was already in school. Mm-hmm. And then it was funny because COVID hit like a month later. Uh-huh. And it was so fascinating to watch everything go back to what I was trying to do the whole year before. Uh-huh. And I was like, holy smokes, why was I doing this to myself on purpose? <laughs> Intentionally, I was trying to do all this stuff. And it was just so fun just to really see the contrast of when I had taken the time to be like, yeah, you can do this, but is that what I really want? Is this where I want mm-hmm. these different buckets of time to go? Mm -hmm. And if not, then what is it that I do want and how can I create more of that? 
Hey, Mama. This episode is brought to you by one of my favorite budgeting apps. And let me tell you, its functionality is nowhere near any other I've discovered. It's called You Need a Budget, or YNAB for short. And it's the only app that guides you toward not just creating categories and setting spending limits, but actually ensures you can't spend more than your available cash. During the depths of our get-out-of-debt journey, I tried app after app, but none of them really helped break the paycheck-to-paycheck cycle. When I found YNAB, I was suddenly able to see the age of my money and allocate this month's paycheck to next month's bills. And when I set money aside for a category or to pay off something, the app automatically reduced my available cash balance so I didn't accidentally spend that cash on something else. YNAB was instrumental in getting us debt-free, and I still use it to this day. Get your free 30-day trial by clicking on the link in the show notes to this episode at reachingabundance.com. So I love how you're focused on the mindset and the intimacy and creating that in the relationship. And I also focus a lot on the mindset around it, but it's more the financial side. But it's exactly the same thought processes. It's like, what do I want in my life? What do I want more of? What am I withholding from myself without realizing it? Mm -hmm. Because I won't allow myself to, for example, hire a housekeeper. So we're having this invisible conversation with ourselves in our own mind all the time. And you'd even touched on having an invisible conversation with others. So maybe that's the husband. Maybe that's the housekeeper. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's the kids even. So what does having that invisible conversation look like? And then how do we know if we're doing it? Yeah. So I actually got this from a friend. She calls it the invisible money discussion. She's like, where both people think they're really clear about what they want with money and that they've put this out there, but and they think they've had this conversation, but really it's mostly happened in their head and they aren't actually having the conversation. Mm-hmm. Really a simple way of thinking about this is anytime I'm feeling triggered, like if I get frustrated about something that happens, that can be a good red flag to me. Yes. Like, oh, I had an expectation here. What was it? Because <laughs> yes. a lot of times we don't even know we have these like going on until something triggers it and we are able to have awareness or to recognize like, oh, I expected something to be different than it was. What's going on here? Have we actually talked about this? Was there actually agreement made here? Did we actually have words that were said or did I just expect this person to read my mind? Right. And this was huge for me earlier on too, is I had a hard time even voicing what I wanted right? Like saying things, I was afraid of conflict. I was afraid of no's. I was afraid of having to tell someone no, all these different things. Mm-hmm. And so one thing that would happen is if I did ask my husband to help with something, there was this expectation that the answer should be yes. Like he should be happy to do this thing for me mm-hmm. and he should do it with smiles or he should pretend that he's happy or whatever. It's like all these little subtle things that can be in there right. versus being able to just make a request and be okay if the answer is no. Yeah. Like the difference between making a request versus like making a demand, that can be another thing too. Knowing that if this person doesn't want to do this, there are other options of ways I can create what I want. Everything doesn't have to come from this one person. That's so interesting because even when you're talking about that, I'm thinking about in a relationship, typically when we ask a question, there is expectation attached to it. Yeah. Even if it's like, can you get the groceries this week? Can you do the dishes? Hey, can you rinse off that plate and put it in the dishwasher when you're done? The expectation is you're going to do that because I just asked you to. It must be yes. You're going to say yes. (laughs) Yeah, that's so interesting to think about. And if you don't, then you don't love me. (laughs) Yes. Oh my gosh. Because yeah, then you start to feel like, well, why wouldn't you do that? I just asked you to... I'm clearly am needing help. You know, maybe even sometimes that ask takes so much courage in some relationships. Oh, yeah. Depending on the topic, you know, maybe the husband never does dishes, okay? And so for you to say, hey, honey, when you're done eating, can you rinse your plate and put it in the dishwasher, please? Maybe just to say that took so much courage because that's never happened before. 
maybe he says, oh, sure. And then his mind goes somewhere else and he just gets up from the table. And then you see that dirty plate there and you're like, oh my gosh, he doesn't love me. He doesn't respect me. He doesn't appreciate that I do the dishes like all the dang time. And these thoughts can just Mm -hmm. come flooding in. I love for one, how you always say there's no right or wrong way. And then the other thing that I love is how we think thoughts are truths. Yeah. So all those stuff, like I had the biggest he doesn't care story for the longest time. And what was fascinating to me in hindsight when it, because my husband and I, we love to talk about this stuff, or at least I do. Maybe he doesn't, but (laughs) I love to talk about it with him. (laughs) Um, It was fascinating to discover that during that same time, he had a big she doesn't care story. Ah, Maybe we're passive aggressive with him or we don't want to be around him or don't want to be intimate. I don't know. He's going to watch something. He's going to be like, she doesn't care. Mm -hmm. And then he doesn't care. She doesn't care. He doesn't care. She doesn't care. And without ever really realizing that we have a choice, like that's probably not even true. Right. The person probably does care at least at some level or they wouldn't be still in this relationship with you. (laughs) Right. And I feel like that can happen with money too. Yeah. Like, well, I think it's important that we save for this thing and he thinks we should save for that thing. And so he doesn't care about my priority for saving. And well, she doesn't care about my priority for saving or whatever. Maybe it's a spending thing. Maybe it's the budgeting meeting. It could be anything, but this can go across intimacy, money, Yes, everything. All the things. I learned this really simple tool that can really help with this where like if we just can notice the if-then relationships we have where it's like, if he doesn't want what I want, then that means he doesn't care. It could just be, if he doesn't want what I want, then he doesn't want what I want. He just wants something different, kind of going back to the, it's for me, it's not against you. Mm -hmm. Or even other meanings, if we really go into like, what is this person actually experiencing? Going back to your dish example, the meaning we're giving it is he doesn't care when what's probably actually true is he forgot. Yes. You know, there's some statistic even with like feeding kids food for them to like a food. It takes like 17 times and habit change takes time. It's probably just a muscle memory thing. Yes. There's not this conscious, oh, my wife asked me to put this in the dishwasher and I don't care about her. So even though I told her I was going to do that, I'm not going to do that. And I'm just going to... Right. We add all this meaning that just isn't there. Right. There's no (laughs) malicious intent happening. It's just literally like he forgot. Yeah. And that could happen with money. That could happen with anything. So let's talk about where money and relationships intersect. We've touched on this throughout the episode already. It's no secret that married couples fight about money sometimes. It's one of the top divorce reasons. And we could easily draw the conclusion that if you're having a disagreement about money, you might run into some intimacy issues. Let's talk about that dynamic and how our happiness with money could affect the relationship. Yeah. So I have found it really fascinating to learn more about how what we're feeling drives what we do. You can have money issues over here and however you feel about that, depending on how you react to those feelings, because there's always like four paths we can take from a feeling. We can avoid them, resist them, react to them or allow them. Mm -hmm. So depending on what you are bringing into intimacy, like if you have a money issue over here and you're kind of like, holding on to that and bringing it over here, then yeah, obviously that's going to affect that relationship. Like I had a client who talked about, she really saw money issues and intimacy as kind of tangled up in one. Mm -hmm. And so she would make it mean a lot of things about her husband and about her that she was a victim and she couldn't change him and kind of going back to like, this isn't my money or I have no control over these problems. In her mind, it didn't make sense to be intimate when there was this money issue stuff going on. Mm -hmm. And so we can take issues we have for money or any other area and bring that going into intimacy. Or if we are coming into it with a sense of like, this is a duty or an obligation. Mm. You know, it's his mm-hmm. duty to provide money. It's my duty to provide sex. <laughs> you really break it down. Like subconsciously we can have these yeah. thought patterns, yeah. which sounds ridiculous. These thoughts really exist. Yeah. And I think that's the thing. A lot of women and moms don't recognize that we are creating those yeah. thoughts. We don't even notice, oh, like it's his duty to provide and it's my duty to take care of the household and provide intimacy and relationship. Yeah. And I think it also depends on what mindset we have about these things in general. Like when you're going into intimacy, for example, a lot of us have this mindset that that is for him. Mm -hmm. If we have this like, well, this is for him. He didn't do this thing over here for me. So why should I do this thing for him? Yes. Right. So that's, I think where money issues or any other kind of issues can come is, is where it's kind of like, 
maybe even without realizing subconsciously, you're like holding this score. Yes. Like he doesn't deserve this because he didn't do this thing for me or whatever. Right. And so I think one is even questioning that mindset because what's been really powerful for me in intimacy is really seeing this is something for me. Mm. Right. Yeah. And so if there's this scorekeeping being held, like if I'm trying to punish him, I'm punishing myself. And recognizing my client, she said when she could really separate the two, she could see, oh, we can have these money issues over here. And we can have this intimacy over here. And these two things can be separate. Like I don't have to bring this thing into Mm -hmm. this. I can enjoy my time with my husband. I can value myself and my connection with my husband and the relationship that I have with him and what I want to create for myself and really enjoy this time with him. When she really saw that as separate, that really was very life-changing for her. I talk about in my relationship coaching, how change your relationship without change your husband and how this works is because when we show up differently... Obviously, our husbands always have their own choice. We're not responsible for what they think or feel or do. Mm -hmm. We can't control what they do. Correct. However, at the same time, we're always reacting to each other. So if they're maybe not choosing something on purpose, there's some influence there, right? Mm -hmm. And so what she noticed is when she started showing up just wanting to be intimate with him and to connect with him, just because it was a separate thing that she wanted for herself, it was fascinating to her that he seemed to ease up on money issues Mm. subconsciously without even realizing it because he was feeling a different way. Mm -hmm. I'm sure he attributed it to how she changed, but really he was just thinking different and drove different feelings. But, you know, we show up differently. The person is going to react to our behavior differently and that's going to affect our relationship. So really... If money is affecting intimacy, it's all about what you're thinking about it. I mean, like growing up, I was kind of anti-credit or whatever. I did mention that. Yes. Um, like I paid cash for my car, didn't have debt in college. So you were really like mm-hmm. anti-debt, debt's evil, credit cards are bad. Yeah. And so I think that's really important to highlight because that rhetoric is out there. Yeah. It exists and it's a very strong, all the guilt and shame around having debt. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why talking about money openly with other women is so important because we really, in order to solve financial problems across the board, moms have to release the shame that they're feeling around debt, around intimacy issues, around all these things that that we don't talk about Mm -hmm. because it's embarrassing. Yes. The more that we can bring it up and be open with other mom friends and have like a trusted tribe of women that will support us no matter what we're going through, which... It's been beautiful to see that that is becoming acceptable in the mental health space, but it also needs to happen in the intimacy space, in the money space. And a lot of what you touched on highlights so much about how intimacy affects how you're looking at money. Money affects how you're looking at intimacy, but you can disconnect the two and you can create a better relationship. And in your example, their money situation actually improved because I'm just going to go out on a limb and say, maybe they were communicating better in another area. And that fed into all the other areas of their lives. So yeah, I view abundance the same way, you know, your health, your money, your household, all of these different things. Yeah. They all affect each other, but you can separate them. And when you improve one, it's very likely that several others will rise to the occasion. Yes. No matter where you begin. Yes. And I love that too, because in the beginning of my marriage, I had a lot more of that frustration and resentment and stuff, Mm -hmm. even though maybe I saved better or whatever it was. But the past couple of years, I've taken on more debt than ever before and not even that much, but compared to like not no debt at all in the beginning of my marriage, right? Right. In the past two years for my business and for my own desires and coaching and that sort of thing, things that I wanted. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, my marriage has exploded in how much like passion and connection and fun and friendship we have all at the same time. Oh, amazing. It just goes to show that it's what you bring into it. Mm. Talk to me about what flipped for you when you were anti-credit, anti-debt versus, hey, you know what? Actually, this can be used as a tool if it's used responsibly and leveraged toward getting me more of what I want, maybe building a business or something that you view as a priority that is effectively an asset that you're going to grow, maybe in your marriage, maybe physically, because there's that out there too. There's productive assets, productive debt, and then there is consumer debt and all the rhetoric around what you shouldn't have. So talk to me about what flipped with your money perspective as far as debt. 
You know, the first thing that came up, which I find fascinating is my level of trust in myself. Mm. Because I think to some degree, there was a fear that I was just going to lose control and be lost in bankruptcy or whatever. You know, my brain would go this worst <laughs> case scenario, like you can't trust yourself with this credit or this debt. And just really seeing that that wasn't true. Uh. I make good decisions and I can manage my money and I'm actually really good with money. Exactly. Recognizing like what is true or not. And also seeing the benefits of that. My husband and I, like, and I like to joke that we've made way more money from credit cards than we've ever paid for them. That's awesome. We've made hundreds and hundreds, probably even thousands of dollars from credit cards just because we use them and pay them off and you get all the cash back rewards or what. Yes. And so part of it is the trust in myself that I can use this responsibly. <laughs> right. I think the other thing too is just recognizing the value of my time. Mm. And again, there's no right or wrong. Like if you want to save up and pay cash for things, I think it's what are the reasons why you want to do what you want to do? And do you like your reasons? And the answer is different for everyone, right? Mm -hmm. And for me, recognizing that, yes, I can save up for all of these things for however long. Is that what I really want to do? Like, what is my priority here? Is it the time or is it the money? Which one yeah. do I value more now with what my goals are and where I want to be? Because I've actually come to view now, like time is more valuable than money. It's a more limited resource. You know, money, it can just be sitting there without you doing anything and compounding and growing or whatever. You know what I mean? And yes. money you can spend to buy time from other people, right? Right. But you have the time that you have. Yes. You know, I could have waited five years to go get my coach certification and do this. But then, and the fear for me was that I would miss out on the time with my kids and maybe I should wait, mm -hmm. that I didn't have the money or maybe I wouldn't be able to pay it back. But I realized all the time that I was spending thinking about that, I was already creating my worst case scenario. I was already like, I may be physically mm. there with my kids, but mentally, if I'm spinning and having regret, I'm not actually mentally there with my kids. Right. And so it's kind of like, to make a decision, I'm going to do it or I'm not. And then just have your own back on the decision and know that you're the one who makes it right. And you're the one who makes it awesome. I love that because you just talked about effectively spending money to solve whatever's on your mind so that you can create more presence. Amazing and beautiful. That's one of the things that I talk a lot about and share a lot about is being really present in the moment. And like you were saying, if you're home with your kids, but your brain is spinning and you're mentally elsewhere, maybe thinking about your own issues or maybe that you wanted to start a business or whatever it was, you're not present with your kids. Yeah, you already have your worst case scenario. Exactly. And so you spent money to get Life Coach certified and created the presence that you wanted in your family. So I think that is perfect. <laughs> yeah. And I do want to add more to that too, because like it is also possible I could have decided like, no, I don't want to do this right now. And I just want to pay for my own coach and learn how to manage my mind to be present more or whatever. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like, again, the idea of like, what are my options and what do I most want? Right. A lot of times we're already living our worst case scenario. So I was like, if I'm being honest with myself, I don't want to wait five years to do my coaching business or however long, like I want to do it now. <laughs> and so right. oh, we just do it instead of thinking about it all the time and trust that I'm going to figure out as I go. Trust that instead of needing to manage my house first and have finances all figured out, and create whatever other things I think I need to do before I can do this business or whatever I want. Trust that if I just say yes to the thing I really want, that I'm going to figure out how to make it work. That is going to be the way that I am present with my kids and trust that I'm going to value all of my priorities and create that as I go. I love it because when I'm thinking of a word, you say it. <laughs> I was thinking priorities, valuing yourself, valuing your time, self-worth. I'm thinking all these things. And as you're talking, it just comes out. <laughs> yes. But that's also why I really wanted to have you on this show because I love how much we have in common. So I also know that so many moms listening to this connected with multiple different little snippets of things that you and I said throughout this. So I want to ask you a couple of quick questions as we wrap up. All of us are balancing the household and schedules and money and our relationship and health and career and like all these things are wearing all the hats, right? And sometimes we forget to put our own happiness on that list. And you touched on this because you talked about, yeah. you know, going for your coaching certification because that was you being honest with yourself that you actually wanted that at that time. So I think that's super important to highlight right there. But then also what I want to know is with kids, with the business, how do you find alone time, mommy time? 
And how do you use that time? What's your favorite thing to do? Just kind of share a little tip with our moms. Yeah. So really, it kind of goes back to something I learned from Marie Forleo, which she says, how I do it all is I don't try to do it all. Yes. I keep my life as simple as humanly possible and I get help. So I did mindset work to get to the place where I feel good about having someone else watch my kids. And that doesn't mean that I'm a bad mom because that was something I had to work through. Yes. Mm. And really seeing how that is actually more amazing, I think building up the case for myself that that is the most amazing thing for all of us, not just for them. And I love going on walks in my neighborhood or just sitting out in my backyard, <laughs> like very simple things or reading a book. I love massages. I don't do those a ton, but every once in a while. And then I just love working on my coaching business too. And you know, personal development and mindset and relationship stuff. Mm-hmm. I could talk about all day as yeah. <laughs> you and I are discovering, right? <laughs> exactly. Okay. So share a little bit with us about your business. Like what's your favorite thing about coaching right now? You know, my favorite thing really is helping people see how much power and control they have in their relationships that they don't even realize that they have. Because I spent years feeling very stuck in my marriage because I felt like my husband wasn't on the same page and didn't want to work on the relationship the same way I did. Kind of like the finance stuff Mm -hmm. in the budget meeting, right? And you know, I'd read all these books and do these courses, like how to get your husband to lead in the home and happy wives club and the five love languages. And the message I got from all of it was like, you need to have this sort of, I meet your needs, you meet mine kind of thing. And I just felt very stuck because I felt like, well, I could do all these things for him, but he's not going to do anything for me, which mm-hmm. again, was a story in my head. It felt very true. <laughs> and I think a lot of moms think that, yeah. like, even if I show up, like he's not going to yeah. change. And so really helping people see, you know, why we even do it the way we do, first of all, is powerful, but also really seeing I mean, a lot of us are caught in people-pleasing patterns. That's why we end up prioritizing ourselves last is because I need to do all these things for other people so that I can feel happy because that's when I get the dopamine hit of accomplishment or valued or whatever it is. But it's always so fleeting. Like you can never do enough to keep that long enough. Mm. And so really flipping that to like prioritizing yourself first and your marriage second and everything else next and seeing how that flows down and affects every area of your life yeah. and learning how to come from a place of love, from already having the value from yourself, from already having worthiness and then being able to just express the way that you already feel, already feeling whole versus feeling like you need to do all these things to complete yourself and be worthy mm-hmm. is just a completely different way to experience your relationship. And it gets you to a point where it's fascinating in my own marriage because it's like all these things I used to wish that my husband did. It's like I did the coaching on it and decided who I wanted to be and how I wanted to show up regardless of what he's doing or not. And just focus so much more on myself instead of focusing on what I can't control, which is him. And was totally at peace with the way things are. Like didn't need him to do these things in the same type of way for how I would feel. And yet now a lot of that stuff, he's just doing of his own free choice and will because he actually genuinely wants to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I don't need him to in the same way. I'd be totally fine if he doesn't. But it's so fascinating how different the experience of it is mm-hmm. when you feel like you need that to be okay versus when it's like you get to be whoever you are and I just get to love and appreciate and accept you and same for myself. And when we're both meeting our own needs and taking care of ourselves, then we just get to come together and have a whole lot of fun instead of feeling like our relationship is this duty or obligation or exchange of you do this for me and I'll do this for you. Right. It's just a lot more fun when you're able to meet your own needs and to make requests and to be okay if the answer is no and to be okay saying no more and all these things that can really just get us down. Awesome. (laughs) And did you want to share anything about your favorite types of clients or kind of what you're looking for in your business or maybe the next step in your business? Yes. So I love working with moms who resonate with my story, who have experienced similar things. Maybe they have kids at home or maybe they struggle with shame a lot or want to know how they can change their relationship without changing their husband. They really want mm-hmm. you know, that to work. The place to find me is you can go to coachingwithdaisy.com mm-hmm. or Facebook. I'm also coachingwithdaisy.com, same handle. I do free consults. It's very casual. There's no pressure to book people get on those calls and don't book and get a ton of value from even just that call. Absolutely. So the way coaching works is it's typically a three or six month package. And then you have this vision that you're holding in your mind for what you want. We get as far as we can with that. It's super laid back. There's not all these programs and videos to watch, which I love too. It's just, you show up at the session. What do you want coaching on today? I teach you the tools through your real life scenario and customize it to you. So it's not more things to do on your list. That's actually going to save you time because it's going to help you know how to deal with stress and overwhelm and all these things that are taking up a lot of your time. Mm-hmm. 
it's just a really great way to change all of the relationships in your life, your husband, yourself, everything. And I am going to put Daisy's handles and links and everything in the show notes for you all. And by the way, if you're going to coachingwithdaisy.com, it's coaching with D-E-I-S-E. She has a very beautiful, unique spelling in her name. So you say it, Daisy, like the flower, but it is spelled D-E-I-S-E. Thank you so much for being here with us today, Daisy. I really enjoyed talking with you about this. So thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I feel like we could talk all day. (laughs) We could. (laughs) Wow. That was an amazing conversation. I know I'm not the only one who could identify with several of those scenarios and thoughts. I hope listening to this episode helped you identify some assumptions about your money or your marriage or both and opened the doors for you to examine the thoughts around them. While I truly believe we can have it all, notice that Daisy and I talked about intention priorities, and the fact that you don't have to do it all yourself. Meanwhile, you're invited to book a free 15-minute consult with me to see how I can help you get your finances organized, create a strategy to pay off debt, and guide you toward achieving financial freedom. I have a couple of spots open for one-on-one financial coaching and some secret sauce tools to share with you that will help you reach your money goals faster and easier than on your own. Last but not least, thank you for listening. Before you go, please do share your thoughts about the show. Open up your podcast app, and especially if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, CastBox, or Podchaser, there's an option to leave a review or a comment. Recently, lovehr123 wrote, I love this. So relevant for me as a working mom. The insights and tips shared here are on point and provide real life tools moms can use to better organize their life and improve their financial situation. Also, I love the uplifting messages on being in the moment celebrating successes big and small, and touching on critical topics for mothers in today's world. Oh my gosh, love HR123. I am so glad my intentions are shining through in the show and impacting you in this way. What a lovely review. Thank you so much. All right, mamas, post your reviews, and I might just read yours on air next week. Again, thank you all for being here with me today. This week, edge a little closer to reaching abundance by noticing if you've been having any invisible money conversations of your own and if you're requesting help when you need it. Also, understand you aren't alone. Don't forget to check out the show notes at reachingabundance.com where you'll find the links to follow Daisy, the freebie download of positive money mindset mantras, that free trial of our favorite budgeting platform, YNAB, and of course, the summary of everything we talked about. Have a wonderful week, mama. I look forward to talking with you again next time.